Wonderful, wonderful worship. Isn't it great? Thank you, worship team and everybody. Everybody who manages that, all the instruments, everything. And boy, the thing I'm excited about is all the young people scattered throughout the audience. I wonder if we just all put our hands together and thank God for all our young people that are three on the balcony and here and everywhere. It's beautiful. God will lead us in the book of Revelation. It is a book of urgency. It is a book of uh, uh, prophetic uh, visualization. Uh, There are seven churches there in Revelation chapters 2 and 3. Uh, five of them, at least five of them, of course, uh, straight off course. And, and one of the things that the writer, John here, says, hey, um, I want you to get your act together. You've steered off course, and I want, you to do, I want you to do your first works again. I want you to pay attention where you were. I want you to look where, and one, look where you've fallen. Look where you missed it, and I want you to come on back, and let's do what we needed to do. He's speaking of the, the church of today in those areas. Some churches have grown cold and indifferent and some folks got their focus on other, some churches focus on other things. In Revelation, it is in fact a book of urgency. When he talks to those churches, uh, it is a book of urgency. Hey, do it and do it now while there is still time. Our text is an illustration of what it means to be used of God. It is out of the Book of Esther. I heard someone call it the Book of Easter the other day, and they were serious. But you say, well, what's so bad about that? You know, because you may call the Book of Job Job. <laughs> well, it is the Book of Esther, and it, is, uh, it will speak to us today. So I'm asking you to get your heart and your mind and your spirit captured here, not, you know, already at the drive through, not determining what you're going to have for lunch and. And or, or already contemplating your nap, don't start here. But listen carefully. Esther was a Jewish maiden. Mordecai was her cousin. He raised her. Haman was the chief minister of the king, kind of assistant, and had all kind of authority. And King Xerxes was the king of Persia. The Jews were under uh, severe slavery to the Persian Empire. The Jews always kept getting in trouble. You know, coming out of the wilderness and made it, and they said, we need a king. Everybody else got a king. So you know the first king of Israel happened to be Saul, head taller than everybody else. God said, I'm kind of disappointed at that because I wanted to be your king. I wanted to give you guidance and direction, but because you want to keep up with the Joneses, And you think you need a king, Saul's going to be your king. Look at him, he's a good-looking guy. And he started well, but he didn't end well. So we know that, okay, they messed up there, and then we go and, uh, and they're in the Babylonian Empire. And the reason every time that they are suffering is because, and they're God's chosen people, and God said, I'm going to love you no matter what you do. Uh, the Babylonian Empire, they were always there because they, again, misbehaved. They couldn't get it right. They would fail, and God said, okay, if that's what you want, you can't operate in the freedom of the, uh, of the will of Jehovah God. 
then I'll put you to a place that will cause you to maybe get your attention. And well, they did. He got deliverance out of that. And then the next thing you know, you've got the Persian Empire. Persian Empire comes along Xerxes and he said, okay, we're going to put you under slavery. You're going to do what we want to do. And the whole time God is saying, I really don't want my people to suffer. I'd like for them to be able to live out their life because they're my chosen people without constantly having to bring correction. And it seems like they can't get it right. But even though they can't get it right, I am the God of second chances. I'm going to give them another chance. So God has this plan from the very beginning of time to bring them out of the bondage of the Persian Empire as he's done before. We know as God speaks to us this morning, it's important that we sense that urgency. Well, we know in our nation today, there is a sense of urgency. It's called the coronavirus. How many have not heard of it? Okay, you'd almost have to be under a rock not to hear about it. It has created a sense of urgency in Europe and sense of urgency, of course, in Asia and those places, and we know now it's created a sense of urgency in America, and America responded. The stock markets last week dropped thousands of points. If you got anything in the stock market, you knew that that was happening, and you watched your money run away from you because of the coronavirus, not knowing what to do, because there's no cure. There's no inoculation yet, but there will be by the grace of God. Somebody say amen. But that is a point of urgency. And you see people walk around in airports in these little dinky masks, and everybody wears a mask. And then you got a scientist that come out and say, wear those masks all you want to. They're not good enough. They don't do the trick. They won't, they won't hold back that virus. You have to get virus or you have to get the mask that's the D711, whatever it is. That's the one that really works. So you run and you, and you do that. Listen carefully. We know what a sense of urgency is like. Now let's talk about the positive side of having a sense of urgency that God asks us to have. For example, Pearl, Pearl Harbor, December the 7th, 1941. How many remember what happened? Raise your hand. Now we're going to do our exercise. We're the church of the mind, the physical, the spiritual, and the emotional. When you raise your hand, that's the physical part. Amen. When you say amen, amen is the spiritual part. Got it? All right. Amen. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor. We'll get this out of the way and say this. There's something wrong with him. Go ahead. I've told you that for 51 years or 31 years. December 7th, 41, 353 Japanese airplanes hit Pearl Harbor. Within a couple of hours, eight big battleships are gone. Six major airstrips are gone. All the planes are gone. 2,400 people suffered. That happened at 7.50 a.m. on Sunday morning, supposedly a surprise attack. But at 7 o'clock a.m., you know the story. We're refreshing it together because we believe in history lessons. Amen. amen. If you really want to get spiritual, it's amen. You do it both. Both. 
two individuals working, young soldiers working on the radar out in the Pacific. And they bring their lieutenant. He's a young lieutenant, but he's not seasoned. He's earning his stripes, but he's in charge. And they say, hey, lieutenant, we see a lot of little dots on the screen here and just want to report that to you. And he said, oh, don't worry. He said, that's uh, that's probably some planes coming our way out of California or something. So uh, he said, don't worry about it. That's recorded, those words, don't worry about it. They said, okay, you're not worried about it. We've done our part. We reported it. 52 minutes later, those planes showed up and did their damage in Pearl Harbor over a two-hour period because one young lieutenant did not realize this was the moment of a lifetime for him. He did not understand the urgency. He didn't check it out and say, this is what we found from a higher up. He just took it for granted that, okay, we're safe, man. We are the USA, and nothing like that can happen, but it did. Had that one man, that one lieutenant, paid attention and followed through the course, it's just possible that some of those battleships could have been armed and ready, that some, uh, many of the men could have had shelter, We could have scrambled our airplanes to try to get in the air to try to bring on a fight. But the bottom line is America lost mammoth amount of wealth that day. Why? Not enough urgency. Well, let me share with you just uh, two or three points. You and I have a divine guidance. And by that, Mordecai states these words to Esther. Remember, he raised Esther. Esther now has found herself in the palace And God got her there. And here we go, Esther 4.14. If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance from the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to royal position for for such a time as this. Right now, Mordecai wanted to impact Esther with those words. Divine appointment involves a sense of purpose. He said, but you have come to the royal position. Far too many today in the church don't understand the general terms of what it means to live out with purpose. We think that, okay, we're just planted in the culture in which we live, and we're planted in the season in which we live, and we just kind of move through life, and life is what it's going to be, and that's all there is to it. Listen to me. From the very beginning and the foundations of the earth, when God created you and He knew you would exist before you ever, ever, ever came into being, He had a sense of purpose for your life. It wasn't that you're going to be allowed to be born to become a mighty man of wealth or a mighty woman of leadership or a mighty, wonderful, talented individual. God said, you can have all of those things, but he said, I'm creating you for a sense of purpose to work at the time that I call on you to work. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a sense of purpose. Go ahead and do it. You have a sense of purpose. That part of exercise is called community. You have a sense of purpose. Problem is, we don't believe it. We just don't believe it. You mean me? Wow, it's unbelievable. God wants to see us as individuals 
as being divinely appointed. Get this now, divinely appointed. Example, when he called the disciples, they were called one by one. He didn't call and have a chicken dinner and said, I want all you boys to show up. Man, two, three, four hundred show up, and I'm just going to go through and say, you, 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 and you. No, that's not what he did. He called Matthew, for example, who's a tax collector seated in the chair. He walked by and said, follow me. Matthew got up and took off. We know that the Bible said in John 15, 16, you didn't choose me, but rather I chose you to be appointed to bear fruit. I chose you for a distinct purpose. John 6, 7, he said, 70, have I not chosen you the 12? So when God knew from the beginning of time, he reached out and chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. He chose you. You are not aside. You weren't born by mistake. You're not here today because you chose to be here. You were divinely appointed and anointed, and the God who created you has a work and a mission and an anointing that is just for you. You might get out and run around and scallywag and steal and cheat and lie, but I'm telling you still, God says, I have an anointing upon you. One day, my blood will clean you up. I have an anointing with you. You might say, I've been married 14 and a half times, and I was only happy in 15 of them. The bottom line, God said, I still have a divine purpose for you. You, 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 you. You say, well, I went to Purdue and, uh, you know, did Purdue and graduated and got my degree and and man, now I am making money hand over fist. That's wonderful. God said, I gave you the talent and the ability. You go for it. But I still have a divine appointment for you and your talent, your ability, and your assets. From the front to the back. It's true. Well, you know, when you have a divine sense of purpose, here's what it means. It means you will know you were chosen. And why? Why was I chosen? Hey, here you go. You will live with urgency and hope. God, I got to do something. I just don't want to beat along in my life. You'll feel value. You will realize that your contribution is for the whole and not for your self-service. You know, I'm going to spread the love. What does that mean? I said last week, it resonated with me, said it under the anointing. I said, you can make someone else's dream come true. You can you can make someone else's dream come true. Why? Pay attention. Be anointed. Because when you make someone else's dream come true, it gives God glory and honor. And that person is picked up out of the valley of despair because you helped them do something they could not do on their own. All you have. Not only that, you will live a higher level of fulfillment and excitement. I make my own fun. How many know what that means? You, how many of you know how to make your own fun? I make my own fun. If you're waiting on me to make your fun, I'm not going to do it. I'm too busy making my own fun. Amen? How can you be a believer and a preacher and have any fun? Hello, I wake up. I denied somebody's desire. I actually woke up. You live for Jesus. You're anointed. You don't give yourself the downside of it. You see, we are born again. We have that divine appointment. Here's what Mordecai said to us. Esther, God is, has his hand on your life. 
has his hand on your life. Get ready. Has his hand. And then there's another thing. Not only do you have a sense of purpose, but you have a sense of time. How many of you keep time? I mean, you, you're a time freak. I'm a time freak. I'm look, I look and see what time it is all the time. <laughs> that rhymes, <laughs> my Lord of mercy. You know? That's right. We start church on time. Amen? You know, you piddling around here and you think we're going to start a minute late. A minute late. Somebody's going to die if we're a minute late. We have clocks in there. We have clocks up there. We have clocks everywhere because that's just good stewardship. Because God is a good timekeeper. Listen to me. He's coming and coming soon. And he knows what time is going to happen. Amen. He does. He does. A sense of time. For such a time as this. Don't, I don't want to live my life and get to the end of the life and say, duh. Man, I, I could have done so much. And I didn't. I just kind of beat around the bush. I just got carried away with all the things and I, it just never really dawned on me. Just remember this. You're going to stand before him one day. Just going to be you. Just you. Not mommy. Not daddy. Not your honey babe. It's going to be you. And he's going to look into your eyes. And he's going to say, <clears throat> He'll pull out that iPad. <laughs> yep, that's you. Now tell me again what you did with all I gave you. You gave to BGMC you know, once. You uh, shook the hand of a missionary. Yeah. Um, listen, I gave you so much. But from what it looks like here, you weren't super busy. Now, you made it in because of my grace. Hello? Now, where do you think he's going to send them to live if we have a mansion up there? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But here's what I do know. If he looks at that iPad and he says, good Lord, there's so much stuff you did. You come on in. I have a mansion just for you to fit you beautifully. You see, he's going to judge us by that sense of time for such a time as this. All right, so here's what Esther in Esther 3, 6. He said, you have learned who Mordecai's people were. He scorned the idea of killing only Mordecai. This is talking about Haman. Instead, Haman looked for a way to destroy all Mordecai's people, the Jews throughout the whole kingdom of Xerxes. You know what? You know what that Mordecai knew? 
that Esther didn't. He knew that Haman was the individual that says he wanted to kill Mordecai. And he said, I'm not just going to kill Mordecai. I'm going to take all the Jews out. I'm going to kill every last one of them. So that's why Mordecai knew that Esther, in a very critical place, needed to get busy and was anointed in which Mordecai said, you are appointed for this time. It's not by chance, not by luck, not by anything. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, he said, the time of my favor, I heard you, and in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you now, is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. So you now say, I am anointed and I am chosen, and God has said, harness up. Now is the time. Number two, divine instructions. How many of you, how many of you take instruction easily? Okay, well then here's a question. How many of you take instruction not well? How y'all doing over there, guys? <laughs> no, not well. How many of you like for other people to tell you what to do. How many of you like to tell other people <laughs> what to do? Somebody actually called me to task the other day and said, you were wrong there. I thought, well, you know, I look at it in a positive way. I said, I actually lived long enough to find out I was wrong. Y'all love me, don't you? So here, here it is. Divine instruction. If the Lord delights in a man's way, don't miss this, right here. What does he do? Makes his step what? So if the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his step from. In other words, if a man says, I'm called. If a man says, I'm anointed. If a man says, God, your way. Then here's what God says. I will make your steps firm. I won't let you get out there in the quicksand. I will make your step. In other words, your life will count. You get out there and make that happen. November 75, I love this illustration, 75 convicts who were imprisoned in Saltillo Prison, which is in northern Mexico. They decided, there, there were 75 of them, they decided we're getting out of here, we're going to tunnel under the wall and so, buddy, for six months until April 18, 1976, this is a true story, November 75, they started 75, but then April the 18th, 1976, they thought, hey, here we are, it is finished. We are ready to puncture through and come up on the other side. The problem is, my friend, is, is they, didn't, they didn't take into account where they were going. And you know where they came out at? The judge is sitting on the bench trying a case there. All of a sudden, the floor came loose and looked up, and, the, and those prisons, now those convicts had literally decided to go up and come out in the very floor of the courtroom. They were all sentenced to prison and think, uh-oh, we made, a, we made a, a, a mistake here. They were all re-sentenced, added on, trying to escape, and that was the end of that story. So if you're going to do that, be sure you know where you're going. And for that to happen, you're going to need divine instruction. Talk to me, God. 
Tell me what, Mordecai, Mordecai was constantly feeding Esther direction. And when she thought she didn't know what to do, Mordecai, tell me what I need to do. She told Mordecai, I can't go and see the king for 30 days. Mordecai said, you got to get in there, got to get his attention, you got to get favor, get on in there. Mordecai said, oh no, we can't wait 30 days. He said, here's what I know. God eventually will deliver his people, but if this is let go, you and your family, you will be killed, Esther. So you have got to be able to do what it is God wants you to do for this moment, even though you don't understand. And so in verse 13, he said, do you think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape? If you don't move and by the divine action now, you will escape. That's Esther 5 too. So here's what it is. Moving in God's direction will always involve this. Three things. Here we go. Faith, boldness, and courage. Faith, she got ready. Boldness, she stood in the inner court. Courage, she drew near the scepter. There it is. Not supposed to be there. She said, I can't go for 30 days. That's the rule here. Mordecai said, don't you wait. And so we know that Isaiah 55, verse number nine, he said, the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. God has a plan to direct you if you're paying attention. He will, he will give you guidance. Well, hey, divine direction is not mystical. It's not walking around in the dark. Divine direction comes in several ways. None, number one, the Word of God. Hope you're in it because God wants to say something to you in your own daily devotions. Number two, guidance of those in authority. Figure out who they are. Those in authority over you will love you and endeavor to guide you if you ask. Number three, evolving of a circumstance. Uh-oh, uh, sorry, judge, we came up in the wrong place. Excuse us. We're, we're going to go another direction. Oh, no. They should have been paying attention. Some circumstances will evolve and say, this ain't going to work. Here's another instruction and intervening of God's Spirit. God speaks to you. He speaks to you. You know what? God spoke to Xerxes. He spoke to him. And let me just say this. You can write this down, Facebook, at Twitter, at Instagram, at whatever. God will speak to your enemies even when they don't know it to fulfill his will in your life. He will. And so here we go. It comes an intervention and then the whisper of the Holy Spirit. What is God saying? You'll notice that you will not find where the scripture says, God spoke to Esther. Esther. What? It's not what happened. Therefore, you can believe that she was in tune with God and she was directed by what God wanted her to do. But she had to pay attention. So I'm called, I'm anointed. I believe I have a sense of purpose. I believe that, that my life is my time, that I want to get something done. Who, who, who have you led to Jesus lately? Who have you actually invited to church? You know, and they actually came. You know, whose who's dream have you helped fulfill? I mean, ask yourself the questions. We're busy, 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 busy. Tonight, 
Uh, I'm going to be speaking on the, the positive will, how to, how to maintain the positive spirit, develop it. You know, can you believe that the great, great disease in America today is loneliness? Loneliness. And unfortunately, that's on, that's on the shoulder of a lot of church people. We have to be, you just have to maintain the positive spirit. Well, I'm telling you, I'm positive. I'm positive. I got a whole lot of problems I'll never be able to solve. I ain't, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking to Bill. It's up to you. I hope you're here. But anyway, in the service tonight, I want to dedicate a baby, which is the child of the young man who works night shift at McDonald's or McDonald's. So I'm coming through the drive-thru this morning. How you doing, Reverend? Come on around. That'll be 353. I say, who's paying? <laughs> well, I guess you are. I said, well, I was hoping one day you'd get the message and you would pay. Particularly with all the orders you messed up on me over the years. <laughs> but I don't do that. How many of you know why I don't do that? Not because I don't want to do it. It's because I've learned it's not the thing to do. Amen. But here's what I know. Got to the deal. We're going to be there tonight. You are. Yeah. Now listen, you think the church will hold up? I said, the angels will rejoice if you walk in the door. And I said, and the demons will rejoice if you don't. What do you mean demons? I said, well, that's the thing that's kept you back so far. So several of them are coming tonight to see his baby de de get dedicated. Do you know why? He works all night, talks to them, then gets up. He's here usually in this service. But he's bringing that baby. We're going to dedicate him. I'm asking you to pray now. That's a sense of purpose. They don't know that it's a setup. <laughs> that the Holy Spirit is going to convict every last one of them. Amen. Every last one of them. Every last one of them. How many of you believe in conviction? Amen. Oh, my Lord of mercy. So here they come. So we know that divine, that divine intervention, that's only God. So here's what happened. You ready? Go ahead and stand to your feet because I'm getting ready to land the plane. Say amen. 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 Y'all know I have three or four landings. So this is landing number one. So here we go. You ready? We know, Esther, this is your job. Mordecai said, it's up to you. Here we go. The old king can't sleep. Who do you think has making him not be able to sleep? Remember I said a while ago that God works over your enemies even though they don't know what's going on? You remember that? You had not forgot that, have you? Exercise. How many remember it? Hand up, hand down. He can't sleep. God puts on his heart, I need to read a little history lesson. Who in the world, when you can't sleep, you take out a history book? He pulls it out. He said, you know what? I don't ever remember reading this because he didn't. Because there was a move several years before trying to unseat him and kill him and get him off the throne. 
And he begins to read, and you know who the main character was that tried to dethrone him? It was Haman, the man who's right under his nose. The man who has a desire not only to kill Mordecai, but he said, hey, I've gotten away with enough. I can take the whole group of them out. And he's reading that, and his hair on the back of his neck bristled up. Now Esther is there because she gets near the scepter, and he looks and says, hey, babe, come on in. You know, uh, by the way, uh, somebody go get Haman, okay? Wake him up, bring him on in here. Haman, listen. What, what should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Haman said, well... It's about time, you old buzzard, that you honored someone who's worked their fingers to the bone for you in your kingdom. Haman says, well, I think you ought to get a royal robe, one you've worn. I think you ought to get the horse, one that you've ridden. I think you need to get the crown put it on crest and, and treat that man with all royalty. Is that what you think, Haman? That's right. Yes, sir, that's what I think. Size 46. Seven and a half hat size. Then he says, Esther, baby, Go get Mordecai. Mordecai, what size do you wear? He said, 48. What's your hat size? He said, eight and a half. He said, uh, Mordecai, I want to honor you. Haman, you're through. You're done. You're finished. Because it was you who led rebellion against me. You just remember this. Anointed people who are sensitive to the Spirit of God, who have a sense of purpose, y'all, one day, your day is coming. Amen. It's coming. It's coming. You can do better in a hand clap than that. We need a whole lot more exercise. So here's what it says. Here's what he did. You know what? You know what? Hey, Esther, what would you like to happen? Well, King, you know, King, what, what would you like, Esther? She said, I'd like Mordecai who raised me to take Haman's place and be over all his estate since he's not here anymore. He said, so be it. Mordecai, you're now over the position and over all the estate of Haman. How does that feel to you? He said, feels pretty good, judge. 
king. Let me, let me do not shortchange yourself. I don't care what your mental picture is of you. Wherever you are at, that's not where you're going to stay. Whatever challenge you are facing, God already is working a way for you to go through that. Whatever it is in your future that God has for you, it will come to pass. If you take that sense of urgency and you say, I'm not just playing games, you take that sense of purpose, that sense of service, and then say, God, I'm all yours. You will see the hand of God function in your life. Let's pause for prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you now for this moment. We pray strong conviction would rest over all of us. Reach down, lift us up, minister in and through us. We know that we have a sense of purpose. And we're going to get it done for the grace of God. So for those of you that you're here and you say, I'm not right with Jesus. I blew it and I'm just really playing games. I'm running here and there. Or maybe you say, well, I'm a believer, but you're not nailing it down. You just, you just tricking along somewhere. And God's not impressed with that. You know what? You thank God for the miracle he's given you to put up with you as long as he has. But it's because when you get right, he has such a plan for you. He doesn't want to take you out now because he could. So we're going to ask everybody to let's repeat this prayer and let's all just get under the blood. Can we do it? Here we go, everybody. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ, thank you for Jesus Christ who died for my sins. Died for my sins. Lord, Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my heart. I, humble myself, I humble myself and I ask for forgiveness. Please withhold, Please withhold nothing from me, nothing from that's, me. In will. that's in your divine will. I will not turn back. I will, not turn I will back. lift your name up above every name and fulfill, and fulfill my, sense my sense of purpose and my destiny, and my destiny for your honor and glory. Honor in, and Jesus name. in Jesus' name, amen. One more time, exercise just a little bit. Amen. Amen. You're staying with me. Now, if you prayed that prayer, it's important. You say, okay, I'm a king's kid. I'm going to function now. want to be obedient. Might encourage you to slip down the ear and take somebody's hand and say, you know what? I just kind of re-upped my commitment a little bit. Or maybe you're sick in your body and you say, I've been suffering. And as a matter of fact, you've had a severe headache and you've been suffering with it through this service. Come on down. My God can take your old nasty headache away and bring deliverance to you. And then you might say during the time of message, God revealed to me a family member. I saw their face and I know God wants to redeem them. Well, you know what? Just take a test walk. Just bring them on down in your heart of hearts. And one day say, God, they're going to do it instead of me in their place. Whatever it is, you slip down. We'll give the benediction. Stay with me for just a moment. Here we go, everybody. Let's see what happens. I reach my hands to the heavens. I lift my eyes where my help comes from. I look to Come on, let's worship together. Sing it together, Fred. I reach my hands to the
Listen carefully to me now. I need to say this. If you didn't come down now, and I'm going to give this benediction, and you know you should have, you just, when others are headed that way, you just head on up here. We're going to wait on you just a few minutes. So, Father, I've delivered everything that you told me to deliver. I've tried to deliver it with sovereignty and solemnness and yet humor. I've endeavored to do everything that you called me to do, even the last moment. So now I give this service to you. I give this message back to you. I wrap it up and say, God, praise the Lord. You are in charge. Now, do what only you do. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen. Love you. I'll see you tonight, everybody.